Welcome to the Her Life Her Way podcast hosted by me, Maddie. Here at the Her Life Her Way podcast, we facilitate honest and vulnerable conversations with women from across the globe that shine a light on how we can craft a life that feels meaningful and joyful to us all. Through these conversations, you can expect to feel empowered in your journey to live, relate, and work in a way that feels nourishing for your mind, your body, and your soul. We will never shame you into thinking you aren't enough or that you are not doing enough. Alternatively, our conversations highlight the patriarchal system working against all women and will provide you with the tools, wisdom, and support you need to live a fulfilling life in spite of a system that is designed to strip women of their autonomy, joy, and wholeness. This is your life. You get to live it your way. So welcome again to the Her Life, Her Way podcast. I am so grateful that you are here, and let's tune in to the episode. Today, we have a very exciting guest on the show. Her name is Tiana Linton, and she is a client of ours at Her. Tiana is an entrepreneur, single mom, and movement enthusiast. She helps women business owners to build a brand and online presence that they love and feel confident in. She currently lives in Hawaii, where she spends her time free diving, pole dancing, and learning aerial arts. She also recently founded She Is, a nonprofit organization focused on building up communities by empowering young women through entrepreneurship. So thank you, Tiana, for being here. Super, super excited to uh, chat with you today. Thanks, Maddie. I'm excited to to hop on and just kind of talk to you and kind of um, get an opportunity to talk about things that I'm passionate about. Yeah. So speaking of things that you are passionate about, um, I would love to hear a little bit about your story leading into entrepreneurship. So as you mentioned in your bio, you do own a business. So I would love to hear a little bit more about what your business is and what brought you to actually start the business that you currently own. Okay. Um, so I own a real estate marketing agency. Um, we do social media marketing, web design, um, videography, content creation, um, pretty much everything to build you like an online ecosystem that's going to attract, engage and convert your target audience. Um, but I became an entrepreneur because I am a terrible employee. I, um, <laughs> like I, so I'll backtrack a little bit. I started off in insurance sales, um, doing like property and casualty insurance. And then I was in mortgage for a while. Um, and so when I was in mortgage, a lot of the real estate agents that I was meeting with had a lot of questions about social media. Um, because like, real estate and mortgage are like super, super behind when it comes to having more marketing, like modern marketing. Um, so I found that I really enjoyed like teaching them. I really enjoyed the marketing side of things. And like at a certain point I was like, I think I'm going to make that transition. Um, and I was in Seattle. So I decided to move to Hawaii because I did not enjoy the Seattle winters. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Understandable. Yeah, like I'm so I'm from Maine, but um, the Maine winter versus the Pacific Northwest winter is totally different because in Maine, at least we have the sun. Do you know what I mean? Like in Seattle, I was like, there's no sun. I'm going to go crazy. (laughs) Yeah, you get the cold and the cloudiness. It's a terrible combo. (laughs) Yeah, and at first I was like, ooh, like coffee shop aesthetic. You know what I mean? This is cute and fun. (laughs) And then I was like, oh my God, it's awful. It's never ending. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it's cute for a few months, and then all of a sudden, yeah. it's not an aesthetic anymore. <laughs> exactly, and then I'm yeah. sad. There's no sun. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I moved to Hawaii, and when I moved out here, um, I had talked to a couple of people about going and getting a job as a lender, and I realized in that moment, I was like, I would rather do anything else but go back into that world. Because um, being a lender, so it's super like you have to keep filling your pipeline. Um, it's super, super high stress. And like as a mom, having a commission only job that was super like dependent on a variety of factors like the real estate market um, rates, things like that was really, really stressful. Um, and to be honest with you, I was someone where someone like a client would be like, oh, well, I can get a better rate here. And with mortgage, I would be like, I'm taught to sell you on service and that is important. But if you can get an interest rate that's saving you tens of thousands of dollars, yeah, I feel like I have a fiduciary responsibility to tell you to do that. Um, yeah. <laughs> like it was just tough. You know what I mean? So I um, actually got to Hawaii and instead of getting a job, which Hawaii is really expensive to live in, um, which I found out as I moved, um, but <laughs> I decided to work for Uber and like Uber around while I built my business. Um, so I was able to do Uber and then my business partner Bailey at the time was working on a boat out here. So between the two of us, we were able to get enough funds to like, cause we were like living in a small apartment, like, you know what I mean? Just kind of doing the hustle of like, let's try something new. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, so I finally, like, I got my first client, and then from there, it just kind of built and built and built, which was awesome, but I was like, I will literally do anything I can to not go back into a regular job, because I had a feeling that if I did that, I would get stuck. Um, yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense, and I commend you for not only doing this big move, I'm not sure, do you have family or people that you knew in Hawaii before moving out there? Yeah. No, so you I have lived here in the summer between high school and college because my aunt had lived here, but she has since moved to Nevada. But I was like, I love it there. I'll figure it out. And like I brought yeah. Bailey with me and then I had my daughter with me. So it was like not the worst thing because like to have someone move with you, like your best friend is like so much easier. Yeah, I'm glad that you had her with you and you also had her with you while building the start of your business, right? Which is always helpful to have someone to lean on. And something I am curious about in listening to your story is like, so you just moved, right? From Seattle to Hawaii, you're doing Uber, uh, your friend Bailey is working on a boat, you're trying to get your first client. What was really motivating you to want to uh, start this new thing? I know you wanted to be self-employed, um, but like what kind of freedom were you envisioning for yourself? Like what was the dream that you were envisioning six months, a year down the line for yourself that really pushed you forward and like doing all of this to create a new life for yourself? So um, I grew up with a single mom and she started her own business um, when I was like, gosh, I mean, she put herself through college and there was that whole phase. And so I think she started her business when I was like eight or nine. Um, and so I remember seeing her like do the work, like the late nights, the like sending out a ton of mailers. Cause that was a really big thing back then. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I remember like licking the envelopes for her and like putting the stamps on. And so like, I just remember helping her and seeing her build a company. And we went from being like, she was the first person in my family to go to college. Um, so we went from being like super, super poor, like farmer family to her yeah. having like, 
multiple homes um, and having like the ability to put my grandmother in a nicer home, like and get her her own condo. And like, so I was able to see what financial freedom did, not only for her, but for the family that we had and everybody around us, because like a rising tide lifts all boats kind of thing. Um, And so she actually like with everything that happened with her, she ended up losing everything. So I actually got to see as well, like the downfall of what can happen if you don't have the right like mindset and understanding of money um, and an understanding of just like how the business world works because she was really good at what she did. But I think she really struggled when it came to like understanding the actual running of a business side. Um, And so for me, when I was starting this whole thing, I was like, number one, I know I can do it because I've seen her do it. Um, And number two, I, I was really inspired by how much change she was able to bring to the people around her just because she was able to find that financial freedom. Do you know what I mean? Like she fed so many mouths because of that. Um, yeah. And then like for me, I think part of the nonprofit that I started is that aspect of I understand how money can impact a woman's life, how it can impact the lives of everybody around you. Um, and so for me, like teaching girls that at a young age, um, to backtrack, so Bailey grew up in an environment where she didn't understand that and had no, I guess like when we've talked about it, she was like, I don't really have any concept of that that was an option, how to do that, yeah, the yeah. fact that it was even feasible for me to like want more. Um, and so part of the nonprofit is just teaching girls like you can have more and you're fully capable of having more. And like, I know it's really hard for us to find the way and find the resources, but like building a community of women who can support each other and support like the next generation of girls so that they can also reach that financial freedom is really a a big piece of what I want to do. That's amazing. And I totally agree with you that I think in order for a lot of us, especially women to be able to like want this life for our a new life for ourselves we have to see to believe you know so we have to see someone whether that's a parent a friend a sibling a mentor in the community like see them accomplish some iteration some version of the dream that we want to hold eventually in our lives and so for a lot of us who maybe didn't grow up with entrepreneurs in the family or entrepreneurs close by, but still want the freedom that entrepreneurship can bring. Um, it can be scary to take that leap without having um, seen someone do it successfully or even see the pitfalls like what you were talking about with your mom of like, oh, this is like the flip side of what happens when maybe things don't go 100% right in business. But I also have seen her make it through, right? Like your mom, like, took the next step, right? And so um, I would love to hear a little bit about what mentorship means to you specifically um, and what a great mentor can bring specifically to young women's lives and why that is important. Yeah, so I think that um, a good mentor is a mix of a few things. I think that um, the most important thing is that a mentor is able to see your unique talents and skills and also your unique pitfalls, right? The things that you're going to struggle with um, and be able to not only facilitate your growth um, by like challenging you in different areas, but also connecting you. I think mentorship, a big piece of it is helping with the connection piece. 
It's helping to connect you to the people that you need to meet. It's helping to um, set goals. I think a lot of people, especially women, I've noticed, have a really hard time envisioning the future and setting goals, like tangible goals. Um, And so I think a big part of mentorship is, one, creating the picture with you that, like, this is, like, what's your dream? Like, it's okay to say that out loud. This is a safe space. Let's talk about it. And then helping you figure out the path. Because a lot of people can say, I want that but they don't know how to like get there. So I think good mentorship is helping them build the path and then holding them accountable without doing it for them. You know what I mean? I think a lot of times we want to do things for people. And like, if you do that, it really limits their ability to develop confidence and grow as like an individual. Definitely. I mean, it's that whole parable of teach the person how to fish, right? So that they can sustain their own lives and sustain their village rather than fishing for them. Um, And I definitely would agree with you that I've also encountered um, a lot of women who I think women can dream big, but I think sometimes have a harder time breaking it down into like pieces because um, it's like the more analytical analytical side of our brains that isn't encouraged in women specifically when we're young, right? If you think about it, when we're little, and this is a generalization, but little boys for the most part are praised for being analytical, right? The science, the math, like all of that, that is what they're told to pursue. And women are told to pursue the more creative side of our being. So writing, reading, certain parts of like history, right? Art. And so I think that division starts at a really young age and it screws up both parties as we get older. Men have a hard time sometimes as they age up dreaming big and speaking into those dreams, but can break down a to-do list maybe a little bit more easier than a woman can because they've been told to be analytical their entire lives from three to 18 as they go through school. And then women, it's the flip side of that. So I... I'm wondering, I guess, in your business specifically, where have you seen um, women like need the most encouragement and confidence in their businesses? So I think that actually ties to a point that I wanted to make about um, how the difference between how girls and boys are um, nurtured. Um, Yeah. So I saw something really interesting where they were talking about how they had um, a bunch of girls and boys do coding and um, the boys would just like sit there and try and try new things and fail. And they actually saw that the girls wrote out the code and then deleted it because they weren't given enough information on like what the goal was. So they were really afraid to try and fail, whereas the boys were very like accustomed to trying and failing. Um, so I think there's a very big perfectionism piece. Yeah. I don't know her name. I'll look it up. Um, but it was a podcast and she, I think she founded girls who code, I believe that's talking about it. Yeah. It's totally fantastic. If you guys haven't heard it, you should. Um, but I think that the, the perfectionism piece is a really big, scary thing that a lot of women have a hard time tackling. Um, and so we're really as like, I'm not going to say everybody, but I think as a, as a whole, a lot of us are really afraid of failure and afraid of um, whatever failure means for us. Right. I think that varies for each person. Um, yeah. But I was journaling the other day um, and I wrote down like trying is scary. 
You know what I mean? I think really putting your heart and soul into something is like the scariest thing you can do and, and showing up and having people see you potentially fail. And so even in my business with the women that I work with, I mean, a lot of them are, they'll look me dead in the eyes and be like, you're not getting me on camera. And I'm like, but <laughs> I'm definitely going to get you on camera. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it is coaching them that like, you can do this and you don't have to show up in a way that's perfect. You don't have to show up in a way where like every little tiny detail is like as perfect as it possibly could be. You just have to show up. Um, and yeah. so my favorite moment is when they finally start to see that like, oh, I, I really like my content because it feels like me. You know, a lot of mm. people are really worried they have to put on this like persona to succeed, right? Like we have to put on our mask when we show up. Um, so I really push all of my clients, like, let's not, people aren't working with you because of your mask. People are working with you because of your personality and experiences and background. Um, and the more you can hold true to that in your own marketing and messaging, I think the more you're going to find people that you love to work with, as opposed to finding people who, yeah, they'll pay you to work with them, but maybe they're not the right fit for like who you are. Absolutely. And how beautiful that you're able to coach the women that you work with to do that, because I don't know if you've noticed this in the women that you talk to, but I've certainly noticed it with some of the women that we're in connection with is that if you feel the need to mask in the way that you're showing up online, oftentimes that's mirrored in how you're showing up offline as well. So like when you're in a group of friends or when you're with your family, you also have a tendency to put on this mask in the face of perfectionism. And so if you're able to learn how to remove the mask in a safe space with the guidance of a coach like you or some other mentor um, online, when sometimes it can feel a little bit more low risk because you're not actually face to face with someone, right? So it's good practice. <laughs> um, you're able to really break down those barriers when you're interacting with your IRL community as well, which is like the most important piece. And so I want to come back to the perfectionism piece specifically because that's what is driving this. What do you think like plants the seed of perfectionism in women specifically um, at a young age? Is it like cultural? Um, is it like the way that we're raised? Do you have a take on that? So I know that like for myself, the way that I was raised, um, I mean, when I first grew up, we were in the church. So it was very, um, there was, it was a very strict church too. So there was like no room for error. Um, or yeah. I thought I was going to go to hell. <laughs> so yeah. it played a really big um, factor in it. And I kind of had to unlearn a lot of that. But I think even outside of that, like with everything we see in the media, in the shows that we watch as a young children at like everything that we see as, as women are they're like perfect versions of girls. They're perfect versions of women. You know what I mean? Like you don't see a lot of like true error in the media. You know what I mean? You don't see like a lot of like, the, unless they're like doing it as a trope, right? So you'll see like, oh, like she's imperfect <laughs> and quirky. But in yeah. reality, like, I don't think there's enough conversation too as we're growing up because women learn emotional intelligence from each other and from having to do and having to, to just be, right? That's the environment that we grow up in is like, we learn that. But the part yeah. that I don't think we learn is like, we learn how to understand other people's emotions and cater to them. 
But I don't think that we learn how to look at our own emotions and how to look at our own imperfections and kind of accept that. Yeah. Um, Because we'll tell our friends all day, like, no, like, it's totally fine. You don't have to be perfect. You're amazing. But then when we look in the own, like, that's not what we're saying to ourselves. You know what I mean? Like, if you really spend time to hear your own thoughts, like, usually you're way meaner to yourself than you are to your friends and family. Definitely. I just realized this about myself after 24 years of being on this earth, (laughs) like six months ago, um, when I I started a new like workout program. And I noticed as I was like moving my body and encountering things that were difficult and like pushing my limits, how poorly I talked to myself and how poorly I viewed myself on the surface and interacting in my business and interacting in within my relationships, I thought I was like a fairly confident and kind person in regards to myself. But it's really in those moments, at least for me, like those moments of struggle when you're really being pushed against your hard edge that you realize the reality of the record playing in your head, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I want to come back to, to what you said about how women aren't necessarily taught to like look at their own emotions, but are taught to cater to the emotions of others. And as you were saying that, um, I was thinking of, again, coming back to media, what we see as like a negative connotation of women is the crazy woman, the like woman that feels all the things. She's crying all the time. She's always on her period, right? And that is like the worst thing a woman can be is like crazy and emotional, right? That's like we, we never want to be called that and we never want to be seen as that in front of other people. And so I think in receiving that message from the media since we're little, right, really teaches us to shut off that piece of And now a brief break to hear from one of our sponsors. Her Life, Her Way podcast is sponsored by Her, a women-owned and operated virtual assistant and online business management agency that provides female-identifying founders and leaders from around the globe with creative and technical support. With over 4,500 log client hours and over 130 clients served in just three years, our highly skilled and trained team has been able to provide high quality, reliable, and strategic support that has helped our clients to create sustainable growth in their businesses while also taking some much needed time off. As shown by her 90% client retention rate, her customers love, trust, and are empowered in their work with our beloved team members. Our mission at Her is to empower and enable more female founders to do more of what they love with the people they love while leaving a lasting impact on the communities that matter most to them. Some of the services our virtual assistants provide include email marketing, inbox and calendar management, course design and management, podcast management, blog writing, Instagram management, and website management. While our highly skilled online business managers support our clients with systems and processes management, launch strategy and implementation, client experience management, project management, and team management. If any of these services sound like they would be helpful to you and your business, we would love to connect with you to learn more about you and your own specific needs. 
feel free to go to our show notes to learn more about her and the work that we do as an agency. We would absolutely love to support you and the amazing work that you are doing within your community. So once again, go to the link in the show notes to learn more about our agency and connect directly with me, Maddie, the founder of Her, to book your own discovery call to talk about next steps and getting you the support that you need and you deserve. So now back to the show. Ask you then if this is something that we've seen kind of like as a whole within women, right? Because of the way that we've been taught through our culture, through the media, sometimes through our upbringings, like you were saying with the church. What are some ways that you've been able to A, look at the way that you talk to yourself and B, um, break down the perfectionism that's been ingrained in you in all of us since we were little? Do you have any like practices that you have done or currently do to like rewrite that story? So I have a lot. I've been in therapy just to be like super open about it because I think everybody could benefit from therapy, even if like you didn't have a traumatizing upbringing. I think that therapy should be something people consider as like going to the doctor. Agreed. Um, Yeah, just like it's really nice to have a support system or like even if you have like a coach, like, you know what I mean? Just someone who has like external, they're like not involved so they can give you objective views on things. Um, But yeah, I've been in therapy for like a decade. It's 2023. Yeah, right around there. Um, Off and on, of course. But I have found that getting, first of all, pausing when I notice like for me, I don't quite catch the thoughts right away, but I catch how I'm feeling. So for me, like, I'm really good at noticing the physical side of it, of, of the thoughts. Um, and so I kind of take a moment to, like, recenter in my body, um, which is kind of like a, so if I have PTSD, so I used to get a lot of flashbacks. Um, so I had to learn how to, okay, what do I feel? What am I smelling? You know, what am I seeing? Like, where am I present day? And so that yeah. actually carries really, really well for people who have anxiety, um, for people who find that they get into the perfectionism rabbit hole, because you can just like pause and take a deep breath and then say, okay, what thoughts do I want to replace them with? Because it's really hard to get rid of thought patterns, but it's much easier to replace them with new thought patterns. So for me, a lot of times I'll notice that like, I'm really, I'll be honest, I'm really aggressive with myself on the perfectionism still. And I work on it pretty much every day. Um, And a lot of it does come up when I do like physical activities. So that's why I love movement because um, movement gets me in my body, but I have to be careful not to focus too much on the aesthetics of my body. You know what I mean? Um, So I find that taking a moment and taking a breath and then finding how I want to talk to myself and then talking to myself like that actively. And like, I'll be honest with you, sometimes like I'll look myself in the mirror and say it, you know what I mean? Cause it, I need to look yeah. at myself and say it. Um, and like more recently I have started something where if I hear the thought of like the aggressive thought, I'll be like, don't talk to me that way to myself, which sounds I crazy. Love that. But yeah, it's, you don't get to talk to me that way because there's something that they teach you. um, The voice is not usually your own voice. It's usually the voice of people who talked to you or brought you up. For me, 
it's my mom, it's my grandmother. And I don't fault them for that because they were never taught. Like that's how they talk to themselves. Do you know what I mean? I think as women, it's really important that we don't place, like place some blame where it's due, but I try to be really generous and remember that like when my grandmother was growing up, I mean, there was no talk about mental health. There was no talk about perfectionism. There was no conversation around like we should treat each other better or women empowerment. So I try to be really, really um, compassionate about the fact that like, if that's the voice that she gave me, that's inside my head, then I would really feel like I, it hurts my heart to imagine how she talks to herself, you know? Yeah. Wow. That's a really compassionate way of looking at it because like you had mentioned, a lot of us are either consciously or unconsciously just passing down what we have learned from our parents, grandparents, mentors, unless we are doing some sort of internal work to like rewrite that story and become aware of that story. And so I know over the past like five or so years, especially um, like that intergenerational healing has been such a big topic, rightfully so, because um, if we can't like begin to look at what has happened to the people before us, our parents, grandparents, great grandparents, and see how that has been ingrained within our hearts, within our minds, again, consciously or subconsciously, and how we regurgitate that to all the people we interact with. We're just like continuing this cycle. And Mm -hmm. so kind of on that note, since you are doing a lot of this inner work for just like personal growth, also to manage your PTSD, um, what do you hope in doing this work that you are able to display to the people that you interact with? How are you wanting to show up in your relationships? So um, I think the biggest one for me is that I would say because of the PTSD, but I think a lot of people struggle with this who don't have PTSD, is that for a long time, I didn't have a lot of space between myself and my feelings. And I was really, really reactive, right? So I was very reactive. I um, had a very sharp tongue. Um, Mm. So my mom background is a therapist. So I grew up in an environment where like, it's very sharp. Do you know what I mean? And very like to the point would be when you're very unkind to someone. Um, And so I had to, like, I think my favorite piece that I've learned in therapy is like, there's now more space between me and those feelings. And I can take a moment and decide how I want to respond and how I want to show up. And a big thing for me is like other people don't get to determine my character anymore. Like I get to decide how I'm going to show up. And I think that for me being patient and being understanding. um, And I think that a lot of times when people um, have some sort of conflict, it's because two people are having two different conversations in two different realities and there's not really a bridge there. So I've been really practicing like how to pause and figure out how to kind of uncover what other people are feeling a little bit more before deciding how I'm going to respond. And it's not to say that I want to be like, you know, codependent and I have to fix people, but I want it to be more of like, how can I better help this person as opposed to, you know, F this person, I can't believe they're talking to me that way. You know what I mean? Like that would be my normal response would be like super, like, don't come at me that way. But now it's okay. 
why are you showing up like this? How can I like facilitate conversation so that we're having like an adult conversation? Because I think that honestly, with everything you see in the media and like with not to get political, but like with our politics, I, I look at it a lot and I'm like, this feels so disrespectful to not only the politicians, but to the American people. Like there's no need for this like discourse that's not even conversational. Like we're not talking to each other. We're just like berating each other and saying really horrible things to each other. And that's not gonna solve any problems. And so I think as women, um, we're naturally more inclined to be able to, to pause. I think part of that's our upbringing. I think part of that is also just like who we are. You know what I mean? Like we, we do have that, but I think that, um, for a long time for me, I didn't want to lean into that side because I didn't want to be seen as weak. Right. I didn't want to be seen as a pushover. I didn't want to be seen as like, Oh, you can talk to her. However. So I came out, like, I'll be honest. I was like really, really, really sharp for a long time. Um, and I think that I read the four agreements. I don't know if you've read the four agreements, I have, um, Yeah. but the, it's not about you piece really resonated with me because I think most of us go through our lives forgetting that everybody we meet has a reality that is just as deep and, and profound and unique as ours. And so a lot of times the, the conversations that we're having and the arguments that we're having are because we're living in different realities. You know what I mean? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And I, I think remembering that piece that you're talking about, that the four agreements talks about as well is like, it's not about you or it's not always about you, right? Is especially hard for people who have gone through trauma, multiple traumas, because when you go through a traumatic situation, or at least like talking from personal experiences, like it feels like life is happening to you. Like it feels very personal, right? When these bad things happen in your life. And something like rewires in your brain for you to like see the world in that context, right? Like if this person said something to me, it's because like they have a personal issue with me, not because they like got two hours of sleep last night because their baby was up all night, you know? Or yeah. like if this person like cut me off in traffic, it's because like they're an a-hole, not because like they're rushing to the hospital because their wife is pregnant, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So I want to acknowledge that piece too, that like if you're listening to this and you find that you have developed this mindset of like, well, yeah, people are just like rude to me or like the world is like conspiring against me. Like that happens when we move through trauma, but there is this way, like you were talking about Tiana, that we can lean into the softer, more compassionate way of being that comes with being a woman a lot of times because that's what was nurtured in us as young girls but we can start to uncover that and see how we can interact with in our personal relationships but also in our relationships with like strangers and just with life experience and see like how can i make this a little bit less personal so that way i can find more peace more compassion more joy in all the moments that i'm experiencing and yeah. so as good no go ahead that something too is we find what we're looking for. So I don't know mm -hmm. if you remember, like, you know, you buy a red car and then you see red cars everywhere. Like, I don't know if you've heard Absolutely. that. Before, but I think that if you yeah. are constantly in a state of these people are thinking about me or talking about me or everything that they're doing is very about me, you're going to find a lot of the negativity, right? And it's really easy to find negativity because I think that societally like that's what we're trained to look for like if you think about what we watch on tv and what we hear and all the news 
Yeah, like we're really yeah. trained to look and like feed on conflict and feed on negativity. So I think that and like I'm not someone that's like, oh, like positivity, rainbows, but <laughs> yeah. every day to, to try to find the good. I think it grounds you in a place where like you can try to find that in your interactions. You can try to find that in the small things, because otherwise, like especially where we live, like the United States, like it's so easy to get caught up in like all of the negativity that um, you really you really have to pay attention to what it is that you're training your brain to look for and pay attention to. Definitely. And I think in this age of social media, especially like uh, as a society, we are prioritizing like this grandiosity, meaning like we're not so much looking at the smaller things in life that bring us joy. We are comparing against what we see on TikTok or Instagram, these huge trips across the world that will bring us joy and only that will bring us joy or like these pieces of clothing that are like thousands of dollars, right? Like the consumerism and the capitalism is like driving what we think is supposed to make us happy. And I know for a lot of us, it takes some time to actually stop and pause. And like you mentioned, look for the little things that are happening on a day-to-day basis that you know in your body, coming back to like feeling what's actually in your body, that you know in your body are bringing you peace and joy, right? And so something that I did not so long ago, because I found myself in this like period of life in which I was just always seeing the negative, I do believe there's like an ebb and flow to this, right? As we go through different periods of our lives. Um, I just, I noticed it. I was like, I've been in this rut for like six plus months of, I feel like everything is conspiring against me. And so I jotted down on a list in my phone, um, small things that bring me happiness. And it was something as small as like the color yellow or a specific like flower or a specific time of day. So I think if you're listening, if you can take a moment to do that for yourself and notice these things that really like light up your life in the smallest of ways, and then you can grow it to the bigger things. Because when I think a lot of us think of gratitude, we're automatically trained to think of like the bigger things, like the people we love, the food on our plates, the house that we live in, like the roof over our head, which yes, like absolutely be grateful for that. Um, But can you break it down to be more granular? So that way in the like small moments of life, you can always find something to look forward to. Um, And in that way, retrain your brain to like interact in a way that feels better for you. It's not even necessarily about the other person, but a way that feels better for you in all of like your interactions and the way that you're experiencing your life. Yeah, and I think that, something to like that I always come back to because I think especially as a business owner I mean I can get really caught up in the business and just work 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 absolutely Um, (laughs) and I think it's really like what saves me is I go back to people like I step away from the tech and I step away from my phone and I'm like I need to go spend time with the people that I love and enjoy um and find community in real life so I think that I mean I do social media management for a living. So like, I love social media, but I do think it's really important to step away often because I even notice that when I'm on social media a lot, it just feeds the negativity. It feeds the perfectionism. It feeds the, my life's not good enough. It feeds, Mm -hmm. I'm not good enough. My business isn't where it should be. Like there's so much of the comparison from social media that I think that in, in my opinion, and I tell everybody this, 
I think people should really focus on using social media, maybe not TikTok, but really Instagram as a business tool and take the step back and stop looking at it as it's um, something to consume. Because if you're focusing on being a consumer on social media, and that's really what you're doing is you're just consuming content, it can get really dangerous because the algorithm is really, really good at finding the things that your eyes stick to and the things that you spend time on. And while that's good sometimes, if you're in a negative headspace, it's going to keep feeding you more of the stuff that's going to feed that negative headspace. And so like, I always recommend like, social media breaks. I think that following only accounts that like make you feel good. I think that um, setting times, like I can only go on TikTok or Instagram for this amount of time every day. Like, because I, I, like I said, I do this for a living, but I really, really believe that a lot of social media is taking away from our actual quality of life because people are too busy on their phones that they're not out there living and doing. But what they want is to live and do. They're being fed a dream of other people living and doing, yep. but they're stuck on their phone, you know? And I get it. Like I've been in like depression holes where I'm just scrolling and scrolling, but I found that putting it down and forcing myself to go for a walk or forcing myself to do something that's not that tech gives me a second to like breathe and come back to myself and figure out like, oh God, this is making me feel awful. And then in turn, I treat people poorly or I I am sharper, you know, because this is what I'm consuming. Like you are what you eat. You are what you like read. You are what you consume and always, you know. Absolutely. Definitely. I have experienced the same thing and I've just, I have always gone through different breaks with social media. Um, I find that one that specifically feels um, like really triggering as of recently is TikTok because the video content feels so real, right? Like Instagram, you have the reels, but you also have like, at least I really only spend time on the business page. It's a lot of like static graphics, right? But when you're seeing real life videos of like people living the life that you think, keyword, you think you want to live, it's so easy to compare yourself, especially if you're watching TikTok right after you wake up in the morning or right before you go to sleep, because that's when your brain is most impressionable. And that's when it's like the most dangerous for you to consume. Um, So I think a super important question for everyone to ask themselves in this like very digital age of consuming so much content is like, what am I comparing myself to? And is that actually what I value and want for my life? Because yes, the algorithm might show you like, this is the ideal relationship or like, this is the ideal home. It could be as small as that, right? Like this is how I should decorate my house. And you automatically like get on this hamster wheel or on this treadmill of like, I have to chase after it. But if you take a moment to pause, like what do you actually want? Is it different than what you're seeing around you? Because I think that going back to what we were talking about earlier about like setting goals for yourself and like looking at the dream life that you want is we're so quick to assume the lives of other people without actually taking a moment to pause to see if those lives align with the values that we hold most personal within our own hearts, you know? Yeah. And I think a lot of, um, a lot of the times like you're seeing moments in a timeline like you don't get to see exactly going like because like life is literally just a journey of ups and downs like um 
I love the statement, this too shall pass because yeah, good and bad, good and bad. People always yes. think of it when it's a bad time. But for me, when it's a good time, I like to remember to say this too shall pass so that I can really take a moment to enjoy it because yeah. it's fleeting. everything in life is fleeting. So you have to remember when you're looking on social media, like you're seeing moments, you know what I mean? Someone influencer could post this amazing trip they were on, but what you don't see is the like shitty time they had at the airport or like, you know what I mean? Like there's like a ton of things that they're not showing you or talking about. So a lot of yeah. times you're comparing yourself to something that's not real. Um, and then when I liked your thing about like, what do you really want? Because yeah. a lot of times people will look at someone with a perfect relationship and think that's what I want. But when you really, really think about it, do you want, like, what is that video showing you? Is it that you want a partner who is present? Is it that you're feeling lonely because you don't have a partner, which not mm -hmm. always like the solution is all, not always what the video is going to make you think it is. Sometimes it's as simple as. I need to go spend time with friends or yeah. I need to find community is what I'm craving or I'm craving like, um, like for me, a lot of times, like it's, I'm craving like human interaction because I've been on tech for so long. And so <laughs> yeah. it's, like, it's not as black and white as you think it is. So I think that, um, maybe looking at videos. Yeah. So I think that taking the moment to look at the videos where you notice you're getting those feelings of jealousy or you're getting like that envious kind of energy and being like, okay, so like, what do I actually like want? Right. Am I feeling that I don't have a lot of freedom in my life? Is that why I'm looking at travel videos? Also, yeah, I've noticed that I've heard this a lot. People who travel all the time there, some of them love it, but a lot of people find that like, they think that like going on these huge trips is going to bring them a lot more like, joy and they're going to feel freedom. But a lot of times, like it does the opposite, right? Like people will constantly chase a high, I think, instead of taking the time to figure out like, what are you running from? Yeah, definitely. I I've seen that a lot in travel, even just like within my own life, because I love to travel, but I've noticed <laughs> that when I get that itch to like really want to travel, like let's say I've been sitting here in Cleveland for the past six months, I'll get this like urge to travel. I've noticed sometimes it really is like, I really want to go see this new place. But a lot of times it's like, oh, I feel like stagnant in my day to day, right? Which is not something like a trip is going to fix. It's like something that I have to look at within my day to day and like integrate new practices and habits. So I love that you bring that up because when we notice, whether it's through videos or through like interactions that we're having in our relationships, that feeling of jealousy come up or like that little like internal like twang, I'll call it because it's not always jealousy. It's like just like the internal calling of like, I am craving something more for myself essentially is like what that call is, is like, what is the underlying theme? Like, what is the big theme? Like you said, is it freedom? And then rather than like chasing after this like big idea of freedom, which I think is like what a lot of us tend to do or that's what I have done previously. And that's what like social media shows us is like, how can we start to integrate this concept of freedom into the smallest parts of our days? Because that is what creates a fulfilling life. Like if you look at any studies with um, people as they get older, 
they mentioned that, yes, like these bigger items in life, like these big trips and things like that definitely help to build a fulfilling life, but it's the in-between moments the day-to-day, right? Like the times that you're sitting on the couch with your partner or like the walk that you go on with your dog that really like allow you to sustain that feeling of like peace and bliss over the long term, which is like what I think we're all like running towards, but not quite sure or might not have the tools to do quite yet. And I think what you're saying is like, look at those different pieces, like look at like when envy comes up or when jealousy comes up and see how you can like look in the mirror essentially, right? I think also something that comes up is like, we have a tendency to run away from discomfort. Um, yeah. I like, just to be, I think transparent, um, I had a really like rough upbringing and then I got really heavy into like drugs and alcohol and like, I had to like figure out how sobriety was going to look for me as an adult. Um, so like, I don't drink, I haven't drank in a long time, but it was really interesting because I've looked at my patterns and I have always like got a new job. My longest job was like a year and a half, but it was every six months, new job, new job, new job. So I would like start a new job. It was in sales. So I would start a new job, become like number one or number two sales rep leave. And then I would just keep. Yeah. And then in my life I would move a lot. Like I would be like, I need something new. I have to move. Um, or I would drink or I would do drugs or I would, get really, really into fitness too much, or I would, so I was forever just running away from the feelings of discomfort that came from sitting down and saying like, what do I want? Right. I think that a lot of people are really scared to admit what they want. Um, because there's something about just being honest with yourself and other people that you do desire something. I think societally and like culturally, we have this thing where like, oh, like I'm unbothered. Like, I don't want that. Like, it's fine. I didn't want it that badly. But the reality of times, I think that we see things that we want. um, And sometimes it's a a trip or sometimes it's like something small. But I think that we tell ourselves like, oh, I don't really want it. But sometimes that feeling that you get when you look at a video, maybe you really do want something different in your life. Maybe the life that you're living right now is just not what you're called to, but it's what you think you're supposed to do. Or you don't know how to find the path to what it is you're called to. So I think there is a piece of that like twinge that can be a calling to find something else. Or an indication that something that you're experiencing isn't the right fit, you know? Definitely. And I think too that like admitting what we want can feel so scary sometimes because it also comes with admitting what we don't want, right? Like if, (laughs) which is like the hardest part for so many of us is like stepping away from the thing that we're comfortable with, quote unquote, right? Because obviously if we're wanting something different, we can't be like, comfortable to our core about it, but on the surface level comfortable with because it is like, acceptable for us within our family systems or within like our culture, cultural systems, right? Or it could be uncomfortable because you have to say like, I don't want this relationship anymore. Or in terms of drinking, I'd, I don't drink either. And that was uncomfortable at first because it creates separation sometimes in relationships or friendships. So I think that's such an important piece to look at too. Like it can be uncomfortable to say like, I want this because 
we are worried about the backlash of saying, I don't want that. Um, so in like going through these different periods of your life where you've had to confront that same issue or like that same fork in the road, right? Like I want this for myself and I no longer want this for myself. How have you been able to like remain steady through that or like find your way to the other side? Because there is that emotional turmoil that comes with any sort of change that we pursue in our lives, big or small. So I'd love to hear about um, your journey there. Oh, so I think <laughs> small question. <laughs> up until very recently, I don't think I would have ever been described as. Steady. I think that um, I had a tendency to see. So for me, like I'll I'll be like I'll just tell you a little bit of like the story. Like I would get a feeling, a feeling of oh god, this isn't it. And then, like, I would just blow my fucking life up. Pardon my French. I would just, it would, like, start off first as, like, anxiety. And then it would spiral into, I would freeze. And I would stop going to work. And I would find find anything little that I could hold on to that I could say, like, this is wrong. So this doesn't work for me. When the reason yep. was, I was trying to fit myself in a box that was too small. Um, and so mm. because of my upbringing, my reaction to trying to stuff myself into a box that's too small is to just blow it up, just to like really blow it up, um, like, and run as fast as I could. So for me, yeah. I think that, um, the steady part came when I learned to sit and to pause and to, to stay in the discomfort. Yeah. for long enough to determine really what the root cause was. So um, I think it's really easy to say this is this is what's wrong and just pick something and pick little things apart as opposed to getting to the core of what's wrong. So when I left Maine, um, I had been having panic attacks. I was on like a combination of co like a cocktail of drugs where I think I was taking like um, benzos for anxiety, but also antidepressants. And I would wake up and be like, um, like I, it, I don't know if you've heard of sleep paralysis, but I would be woken up and just be frozen every day, unable to move. Um, and so for me, like I've had to learn, you've got to catch it before you get there. Right. Cause that's a really hard space to dig yourself out of. And the way that I, yeah. I mean, I did, I blew up my life and I left, you know what I mean? Like I quit my job. I got a job across the country. I packed my car. I packed my child and I drove across the country with my best friend. <laughs> um, but when I got there, because what was wrong wasn't the place. What was wrong was me. What was wrong was I was doing what I didn't want to be doing. Um, mm. At the time, I was really bought into hustle culture and I was like, I'm going to grind. You know what I mean? Like I have super, super bad ADHD. And so I had an Adderall prescription, but I was taking it like at a level that you shouldn't be, you know what I mean? Like too much. And like, because I was like, I have to like work 12 hour days and I have to like hustle and keep up with these men and like this industry. And so I got to Seattle and the energy was the same and I crashed and burned just the same because wherever you go, there you are. Um, <laughs> yeah, me, I think. In, in, in this phase of my life, it's that pause. It's the pause and it's the internal reflection. And it's so hard to sit in the discomfort of, I want to go. I want to be done. 
I like don't want to do this. I don't want to look at it. But forcing yourself to like, because it is for you, like it's a form of self-care, I think is that pause. It's, it's also realizing that like, sometimes it's just a bad day or sometimes (laughs) a bad month, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think that like, it's just the best thing that anybody can do is if in your, if you're in that moment, take the time and find the space to pause and to look at it. Because I think we live in a really fast environment um, for most of us and we won't prioritize that time to do that reflection. Um, Cause sometimes it's as small as like, it's your thought patterns. And sometimes it's as big as I feel like this career is not for me. And then it's a huge life change. Um, but I think slowing down in a world that tells you to keep speeding up is like, it sounds contradictory, but it's like the best thing that you can do. Definitely. And I think too, what happens in those moments where you can pause and slow down is that you can actually listen to your body because if you're always in movement, whether like mentally or physically, like you can't like notice the internal shifts because for those of us that like deal with anxiety, right? It's one thing to like sit down and pause and try to listen to our thoughts. But our thoughts, as you talked about earlier, sometimes aren't always our own, mm-hmm. aren't always true, mm-hmm. <laughs> aren't always um, something that we can rely upon because we might be dealing with anxiety or some other things going on in our lives, right? So when you take that moment to pause and reflect, yes, we can listen to what our thoughts are telling us with a grain of salt. We can also listen to what our hearts are saying mm-hmm. And we can listen to our bodies, like what you were saying when you were in Maine, right? You had all of these physical symptoms going on in addition to like mental and emotional symptoms, right? And so I've noticed this at different points in my life too, where I find myself like running myself into the ground because I'm not taking that moment to pause. It's like the body catches up and that's like the number one indicator for me that something is off because our bodies always know and our bodies won't lie to us, Um, which... I I think is something just important to note too. Like if you don't feel as though you can really trust your mind 100% of the time because some of us are there, see if you can like tune into your body and trust your body and see if there can be like some communication between the two. Yeah, I think so. I have a really unique perspective on that because for a long time, I haven't been able to trust my body because of the PTSD, right? So a lot of Um, I had triggers that, were not present day and and the physical reaction like I don't know if you've read the book the body keeps the score but like I would have a reaction that was so intense to something that didn't it didn't make sense um yeah so I think that for me like I've had to do the work of learning like okay before we freak out before we like (laughs) our body's freaking out this is not the right path let's take a moment to see what it connects to. So I have a really visual brain. So a lot of times I'll go down the list of like whatever my brain's bringing up. And oftentimes for me, it is a trauma response. So then I have to interest and reground myself and then say like, sometimes I just have to say, I think I'm going to come back to this because right now is not the best time. So I'm going to go for a walk movement for me. Movement in my body helps me to slow down my brain and slow down the trauma response so that I can then take a moment to say, well, now that I've gone for a walk, I've had some sun on my face. I'm reminded myself where I am. How do I, how do I physically feel now? And I find that yeah, I can trust my body, 
but I have to actually pause and not trust my initial reaction to things sometimes because it is, it is just a trauma response half the time. <laughs> That's such a good point. And I see something that I think maybe a lot of people could relate to there is like when you get in an argument with someone that you love, right? And you're fighting and then you want to like say all the things and your mind is telling you one specific story. But if you take a moment to pause, not pause and just separate, because if you do that, again, you're still just like rapid fire in your brain <laughs> and still telling yourself the same story, but pause and go for a walk or like go to like some sort of movement class or get yourself like in the sun. You know what I mean? Something that truly is nourishing for your body and like freeze it, like alters the system, uh, like rewires the circuit, then you can come back and then you can like have a much clearer frame of reference to be able to trust your body, like you said, but also your mind. So if like you have trouble trusting either, I love that you point that out. Like take the moment in between the trigger, whatever it may be, and your response and reflection to get into your body. I think that's such a crucial piece here. Um, and like, you need that middleman to be able to have clarity on the other side. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Um, I think that I'd be interested to hear like how, how you kind of work through that because I'm always like looking for kind of new ideas and new ways of connecting with my body. Because like, for me, like, obviously I do a lot of movement. Um, a lot of, I find that dance is really, really helpful for me when I'm feeling triggered. Um, yeah. The sun and getting out in nature but sometimes you don't have time for that. So like, I know that for me, I really, really struggle when I'm in a fast paced day where my schedule is just booked out and I can't find a moment to breathe. And so I get yeah. with like the end of the day and I'm just spent and I haven't had time to catch up. And so I, I wonder if you have any strategies, like how do you manage it during your day? Cause that's, I think what I'm struggling with right now is figuring out like when you don't have a ton of time, how do you just, connect really fast back in? Oh, that's such a great question. Um, for me right now, like if I'm lucky in this season of my business where I do have some space, but during those seasons of my business where I definitely did not, and it was just day after day of back-to-back -back calls during the day when I needed those points of reflection, I think it's important to take the minute, because so often, right, we view a minute as like, that's no time. I'm just going to scroll my phone real quick, or I'm going to like do this thing to distract myself, which for a lot of us, I think is a coping mechanism. Reminding myself that like in a minute, I can do like 20 jumping jacks, or whatever it may be that get me back into my body. It takes so few time, but I think um, I have consistently had to remind myself when I have these small breaks, because it's very rare that like, I'm jumping directly from one call to another. You're, I usually have a minute or two rather than like taking that moment to fill it up with more work or taking that moment to like go on my phone or do something else to distract me to like tune into my body, take a moment and say, okay, do I feel high energy or low? Like I don't even give the emotions names. I just like, am I up here or am I down here? <laughs> and based off of like high energy or low energy, what do I need? If I'm high energy, Usually I need to get energy out of my body. And so that's when I'll do like some jumping jacks or like, I'll just like shake my hands or do something quick and fast that like moves the energy through in the time that I have. If I am low energy, um, I actually, some people think to like do some activity to like get you going that might work for you. What works best for my body is like 
some deep breaths to like bring some oxygen back into the brain, right? So I think this will look different for everyone. I think if you can start to acknowledge like when I'm in a high energy state, what would feel best for my body to bring me back closer to neutral? And you can start to find like those one minute practices to integrate. That would be really key. And same thing when you're at a lower energy. Um, what are some practices that I can use one minute or so to like bring me back closer to neutral? Does that answer your question? Yeah. It's like a kind of simple, <laughs> like silly response, but. I think that I get caught up in, I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. Like that's a reoccurring thing that I notice that I have to like combat. Um, I think the yeah. point that you made is really powerful. I noticed that um, in the last like year or two, I've been doing a lot of work about remembering to breathe. I don't know if other women also maybe struggle with that, but I hold yeah. breath at a level that's crazy. Um, I, I figured it out because I was dating this guy and he was a respiratory therapist and he would constantly be like, you're not breathing. Like, <laughs> Wow. Really into fitness. So he would like watch my fitness stuff or like my videos and be like, you're holding your breath the whole time. Or like, uh, yeah, he started doing this thing where we'd go like if we went for a walk or something, he would take a deep breath, but almost to cue me to breathe. And I like, (laughs) like have never taken the time to consider how important like taking deep breaths is because I take really shallow breaths and I hold my breath a lot. And so like, taking moments, even if I am high energy to have a few deep breaths, it just gives me like, I don't know, you're right. Like, I think the breathing piece of it is like probably the number one thing that I practice in my life right now that either calms me down or brings me up depending on where I'm at energy wise. Definitely. And that's something that you can integrate into anything you're doing. So what I was saying with the jumping jacks, obviously you're not going to be on the zoom call and like, (laughs) doing your jumping jacks. I mean, if you want to, like you do you, but like most of us probably aren't going to do that. But breathing is something that you can do no matter what you are engaged in, right? And so paying attention to your breath, because oftentimes it's a reflection of what's going on in your nervous system is so key. And that's why I love practices like yoga or Pilates, movement practices that specifically are connected to the breath. So that way you learn how to integrate the breathing with the living, because I love breathwork classes and breathwork practices. Um, But I think the piece that's like missing there is like, yes, I can do this in a breathwork class. But when I'm in my day-to-day life, I'm like, typing on my computer or out on my walk, moving my body, like how do I actually pair the breath with what the reality of my life looks like outside of like this meditation studio? You know what I mean? Um, so I love that, that you brought that up. I love that statement. Like take the breathing into like life. Like how can I, because like in yoga, I'll be honest with you, when they breathe, I have a hard time keeping up or remembering to do it because I hold my breath so often. But like, I love the idea of like, bringing breath work into your day-to-day even just in like as often as you can remember it I think um obviously like you I mean you could time block it if you wanted to but I think that just like as often as you can oh I'm not breathing oh I'm not breathing you know yeah and even if you can have something that will trigger that thought like if you can set an alarm on your phone right or if like you can tell yourself Anytime I check my email, I'm going to breathe, right? Set a habit because so often like our brains just won't remember naturally. Not all of us are wired in that way. And it's so easy, especially when life gets busy to 
forget on the smallest of things like breathing. Um, so the more like external stimuli that we can have to remind us to maintain this habit that's really beneficial to like our mental and physical health, I think the better off we are for long-term success and sustainability of the practice. I totally agree with that. Yeah. So I know we're close to the end of our time. Um, For all of our guests, I am going to be asking a series of um, rapid fire questions. So I'm going to go through those rapid fire questions. You can answer them in just a couple seconds. And then um, we will let the listeners know where they can find you and connect more with you uh, before wrapping up. Does that sound good? Awesome. Cool. So first few rapid uh, fire questions are silly, kind of just fun ones. Uh, sunrise or sunset? Mm, sunset. <laughs> sunset. <laughs> uh, sweet or salty? Oh, depends on the day, but mostly salty. <laughs> I totally understand that. Um, mountains or beach? Oh, gosh. So I think... Um, I think the beach, yeah. Beach. Um, what is one word you'd use to describe yourself? Mm. Persistent. Mm, I love that. Uh, what would you want your last meal to be? Mm. My grandmother's spaghetti. That's always the best. Um, if tomorrow were your last day, how would you want to spend it or who would you want to spend it with? Um, I'd probably want to spend it at the beach with my daughter and my best friend and my grandmother, just kind of like no phones, just in the sun playing and like existing. Awesome. And then last question, if you could leave the world with one last piece of advice, what would it be? Mm-hmm. You are already good enough. Love that. (laughs) Awesome. So do you want to take a minute here to just let people know um, where they can find you, anything that you might have coming up that you want people to know about, um, socials, website, all that good stuff? Yeah. So um, business Instagram name is Ibis Creative. It's Ibis like the bird, I-B-I-S. Um, which by the way, when you pick your business name, pick something that people are not going to butcher. Cause everyone's like Ibis is it Ibis. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was creative. Um, and my personal, um, Instagram, which you guys can follow me there too, is Tiana Adana. And I have like a lot more of like my movement practices on that page. Um, and it's more like of a creative fun space for me. And then, um, the thing that I have coming up I think it's on April 11th. Yeah. Um, is I'm doing a webinar for, it's basically for real estate agents, but I think that the information would apply across the board for any women in business. Um, that basically is going to cover the importance of a personal brand and how to like use social media to like actualize that in 2023. Um, And so, yeah, I think that, you know, if you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm also on TikTok under Ibis Creative. Um, And then, yeah, my website is also (laughs) ibiscreative.com. Awesome. Cool. We'll be sure to link all of that in the show notes for this episode. Um, I just want to take a moment to thank you so much for being a guest on the show and just sharing so vulnerably. I really appreciate 
you're really, you like give really grounded energy, <laughs> uh, at least in this uh, episode. So I appreciate your perspective and just your willingness to talk on different subjects that not everyone is willing to like really look at in a really unique way. So thank you for being here. And I've just so enjoyed um, our conversation. Yeah, thank you. I I feel like I don't get to talk about these topics that often, right? I feel like most of the time we're always talking about like, like business and business and business, but we don't talk about the people behind the business. So I really appreciate that space where people can do that. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the goal, you know, get people out of like talking about business all the time and really understand the inner workings of how people work. So I'm so glad you're able to share that with all of us. And we will be sure to send people your way. Again, this is Tiana Linton um, from Ibis, not Ibis, <laughs> Creative. Uh, thank you for being here. Thanks, Maddie. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Her Life, Her Way podcast. I am so grateful that you have found your way here and that you carved out some time out of your day and your busy schedule to be a part of this community and tune into these conversations. If you enjoy this podcast, if you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate it if you could take just a quick moment to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Subscribers and reviews really, really help the growth of our podcast long term. So if you are appreciating the conversations that we're having and you believe in the mission of what we're trying to do here with this podcast, it would go a super long way if you could take again just a moment to subscribe to the pod and leave a review or even share with a friend if you enjoyed this episode in particular. Thank you again for being here and we will see you next time.